This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Hey everyone, welcome to Health Yeah, your prescription for clear, concise medical health and wellness information. I'm Monica Robbins. Today's episode is about an issue that is affecting more than 6 million Americans and will likely affect millions more in the next decades to come. And due to COVID, even more may be suffering from this debilitating disease. We're talking about Alzheimer's disease and joining me is Rebecca Hall, program director for the Alzheimer's Association Cleveland chapter. Rebecca, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on. All right, so one question I I get a lot is there is a lot of confusion about what is Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Can you explain, is there a difference? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one that um, we get often as well. I'm sure you can imagine Um, because a lot of times people use those words interchangeably, you know, Alzheimer's disease and dementia. And a great way to think about it is, as we always explain, dementia is an umbrella term. So dementia is a set of symptoms. It's um, memory loss, um, changes in thinking, confusion it's all those symptoms and that can be caused by various conditions diseases and issues that are going on for example the most common disease that causes dementia is alzheimer's disease but there are other types of dementia so people can get dementia with parkinson's disease and we call that parkinson's related dementia or um, people can get what's called vascular dementia which is related to stroke so there are various issues and diseases that can cause dementia so dementia is really that umbrella um, term that refers to the symptoms that are related to um, memory loss confusion and problems in thinking And there are, what, dozens, if not hundreds of different types of dementia people can get? Yeah, there are are, are many kinds of illnesses, conditions, diseases that could cause the symptoms um, of dementia, um, like Alzheimer's disease, like I mentioned, Parkinson's disease, um, there's frontotemporal dementia, you know, there's vascular dementia, there's mixed dementia, where you could have more, um, more than one type of dementia going on. But there's also other conditions and other issues that can look like dementia, but actually aren't. Um, so there are things like um, depression, um, vitamin deficiencies, and other issues that could be going on that could cause those same kind of symptoms and look like dementia, but really isn't. So that's why it's so important for people to get a diagnosis and to really talk to their doctor when they see those kind of symptoms. So I mentioned the 6 million Americans off the top, but there's a big concern. Let's talk about the statistics now and what's projected for Ohio. Yeah, so the statistics right now, as you mentioned, um, you know, 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's disease. And in Ohio, there's about 220,000 people 65 and older that are living with Alzheimer's disease. And there are like 440 or 450,000 caregivers. So it's such a huge issue because not only are we talking about people that are living with the disease, but also those who are providing care for them. And there's usually more than one person involved in that care. 
And that number, as you mentioned, the number of people living with dementia is projected to continue to increase over the, de the coming decades because of the aging population and because of better diagnosis. And so we're gonna see more and more people being diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia. And then of course, because of that, more and more people who are caregivers of those living with dementia. So those numbers are gonna even continue to increase as we, as we move on. And that brings a whole host of other issues, places for care, not enough caregivers. I can't imagine, how, are, how is the Alzheimer's Association involved in planning for this literal onslaught? Yeah, so in so many ways, you know, the Alzheimer's Association is at the, on the front lines of battling Alzheimer's and dementia. Of course, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more um, as we go through um, our conversation about the support that we provide to people living with the disease, but also a couple of other things. The Alzheimer's Association is really involved in advocacy efforts. So how can we change um, the what's happening at the state and national and even local level around legislation that can provide additional support to caregivers, um, budget funding for programs that can provide additional support to caregivers and people living with dementia. Um, you know, how can we invest in that? Because we know that, you know, it's, um, it's coming um, as, as we talked about. And, you know, so the Alzheimer's Association is involved in talking with local state and and um, national legislators and, and lawmakers every day, um, you know, trying to, to um, figure out some solutions to is, how we're gonna deal with this growing disease. Is there any legislation pending or on the books right now that people should be watching for and, and maybe even if they're impacted by this, contacting their local lawmakers? Yeah, I think that um, there's always it kind of depends on where the person lives. So I would suggest that, you know, um, checking out the Alzheimer's Association website at alz.org and you can really look into what's happening in your um, local area. And then um, we're always um, involved in advocate advocacy efforts at the state level um, with respect to um, funding for the Department of Aging and other resources. Um, there's an Alzheimer's Association task force or an Alzheimer's disease task force at the state level um, working to address um, creating a, a state plan for Alzheimer's. So there's just a lot going on um, and it kind of depends on where you live um, also what might be happening. So I really suggest, you know, people getting connected with us and finding out how they can um, get involved in our advocacy efforts. Let's talk about demographics. Who is most impacted by Alzheimer's disease? So um, Alzheimer's disease, as far as um, the biggest risk factor is age. So people over 65 um, and especially people over 85 are, are more likely in general to get Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, age is the biggest risk factor. But there are some other demographic risk factors as well. More people who are um, diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia are 
women. So women are more likely um, to have Alzheimer's or dementia. Some of that's because women live longer um, than men, but that doesn't explain all of that. So it is something, and then women are, are more often caregivers. So um, Alzheimer's and dementia does impact um, women a lot in the area of caregiving and in the area of um, being diagnosed with dementia. And then the other thing to know is that um, African Americans and Hispanics are more likely to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, so it is very important to take a look at why that's why that's the case, why that's happening. Um, and so there's a lot of research going into that, you know, and we'll talk more about research, but, you know, there's a lot of research going into, you know, kind of what these risk factors are and how we might mitigate them. Um, but yeah, it's important to know that more women, more African-Americans, more Hispanics are diagnosed um, with Alzheimer's disease. Um, so it is something that we need to think about. So we're still in the midst of this pandemic and we're learning new things every day. And one of the things that is a very concerning issue is how this virus is affecting the brain. And there are some um, you know, that are predicting that we're going to see more and more early onset dementia mm -hmm. from people who've had COVID. Can you talk about what, you know, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, and what do people need to be aware of? Yeah, I think it's, it's something that we are going to continue to learn more about as we move forward and work through this pandemic, I think we're going to continue to learn more. You know, we've heard about um, some of the impacts on the brain with, with long COVID. Um, you know, we've heard about um, the impact of um, COVID on cognitive decline um, and dementia and, and con um, contributing to um, cognitive decline. And I think that there is probably going to be um, even more that comes out as we learn more. And I know there's research going on right now into COVID and its effect on um, cognitive decline and dementia. So I think that we'll continue to learn more. Um, and COVID has just had um, a huge impact on people living with the disease already. I think it's interesting to see where the research, what the research shows about how COVID um, may lead to um, cog additional cognitive decline. And then I think, um, you know, it's had a huge impact on people caregiving. So it's just been, you know, devastating for, for everyone, but for people impacted by Alzheimer's and dementia, especially. We touched on research and fortunately for us, there's a lot of research happening right here locally. Can you kind of highlight some of the things that we need to be watching for? Yeah, well, we've talked a, um, a lot about, you know, um, risk factors. And so I think that there's a lot of exciting research going into um, how do we reduce the risk of someone developing Alzheimer's or dementia in the first place? Um, you know, and I think a lot of the exciting research, um, you know, locally, um, I just read about something out of UH um, looking into um better diagnosis for Lewy body dementia, which I think is exciting. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of research around, of course, medication for treatment. Um, and, you know, I think one of the most exciting things though happening is 
in a couple of areas. There's research happening and um, all over the country, all over the world into Alzheimer's and dementia and the Alzheimer's Association um, recently um, just convened our, our Alzheimer's Association International Conference on research. And some of the most exciting things that I think are happening similar to the, the, um, the study I mentioned um, with the Lewy body dementia is those studies that are looking into what we can do to recognize and diagnose dementia earlier on and how we can use that information to develop better treatments and interventions. Um, so I think early diagnosis and um, early intervention and those kinds of study are really exciting um, because the earlier we can get people um, the better outcomes they're going to have. And then I think the other um, exciting research that's happening and that I get the most excited about is the research into risk reduction intervention. So what are those lifestyle factors? What are those um, things that we can put in place with our behaviors and with our um, health conditions that we might be experiencing and the treatment of those that are going to help reduce our risk or even potentially prevent us from developing dementia in the first place. Because if we can do that, then we don't have to talk about, you know, the, the, the cure and the treatment if someday we can find the prevention. So and I'm not saying that's going to happen tomorrow, right? Um, all of this research takes time. Um, and, you know, we learn so much along the way, but I think those are some of the exciting things that are happening right now. I know one of the things uh, I, I've done stories on in the past relating to the metabolic syndrome, where I'm going to, I'm going to forget some of these. So help me out. I know it's obesity, high blood pressure. Um, uh, oh my goodness. Diabetes. Yeah. And there's a couple other things that people need to be concerned about. If they have that, they are more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. So there's some lifestyle factors. Again, all, you know, the bottom line, it comes back to, you know, better diet, losing weight, <laughs> you know, being more active um, yeah. could make a, could make a big difference. You know, there was a lot of controversy recently because as we're talking about research, there was um, a medication that was just recently approved. It was the first one in 20 years. And if I'm not mistaken, there's probably maybe, you know, less than half a dozen medications on the market right now. And this was a, a medication that everybody was so excited about, except the advisory board at the FDA. And the FDA, I know the Alzheimer's Association was a proponent of this medication, it got approved, but now there's a fight trying to, I don't know, is it getting unapproved or what's going on with this? Because I know you guys are on the front lines. Yeah, I do think there was a, there was a, there's a lot of excitement around this initially when it came out and rightfully so, because, you know, this is the first treatment approved um, for Alzheimer's disease since the early 2000s. And the first treatment to address the underlying disease. So to actually make a difference on the progression of the disease in the brain. So that's why it's so exciting because the other medications, you know, that we've had that have come out um, are really, 
treating the symptoms. So, which is so, which is also so important, so important, but not changing the underlying progression of the disease. So the disease is still getting worse. And this is the first to treatment approved, um, you know, to treat the underlying biology of Alzheimer's disease. And that is exciting. So um, there is so much excitement around it. Um, a couple things that, you know, I think, um, you know, the, the Alzheimer's Association, you know, we, as you said, supported the FDA's accelerated approval of, it's called Adjahelm or Aducanumab. Um, and, you know, we were um, proponents of that, as you said, and, and welcomed that. But we also um, do encourage more research into it um, and encourage people who are interested in learning more about the treatment for themselves um, to really talk to their doctors about it. I mean, there has been a lot um, of um, um, information recently in the news about um, you know, whether who this drug is um, that will best work for. And that's why, you know, because there's a lot that, that came out initially. And then, you know, there was kind of some information saying that, you know, it really is, is best um, for people with mild cognitive decline and early dementia, and that that's who it should be prescribed for. And that's who the clinical trials were with. And that we agree that that is, um, you know, who this is drug is especially going to benefit, but, you know, having people talk to their doctors about whether this is something that would work for them is definitely a good thing. And there's also been, you know, some, um, some controversy surrounding the cost of the drug. You know, we've seen, um, that you following the approval, approval, the manufacturer of the drug Biogen announced their intention to price the drug um, at over fifty thousand dollars a year, and it, you know that that's you know that's a barrier um, to access for this drug. And so the Alzheimer's Association um, does believe that that pricing is unacceptable, um, and you know that it will you know, as I, as mentioned, create a barrier to some people having access to the disease. So the Alzheimer's Association, even though we fully support that decision that the FDA made to accelerate approval of the drug, there are some additional um, issues that need to be worked out with respect to the price. And um, we are going to continue to advocate for um, the best, um, the best path to accessing this drug for all who are likely to benefit. And we believe that, you know, that as the research is showing people in that mild cognitive impairment or that early stage of, of, of the disease. But so, this, you know, um, it's just exciting because this is the first drug in a long time and it does give hope um, to people where there really isn't um, a lot of option um, or hope right now. And this does provide that. Yeah, there was one silver lining I found um, over this controversy is regardless, uh, this opened the door for research and there's probably half a dozen other drugs in the pipeline right now that are going to be focusing on, like you said, the biology of the disease and going after it. So we may be entering, my hope, is a whole new era of medication to treat you know, what causes this yeah. disease and hopefully, you know, maybe someday reverse it. Yeah, but, I think that's a really good point is that it will, um, it will encourage other investments in research. And there are other drugs already, you know, coming through the pipeline, um, you know, as we speak. Um, so I do think it will spur 
additional research, which is so and so important and exciting. You know, you mentioned caregivers a number of times, and we know Alzheimer's alone is devastating to the patient, but for the caregivers, and I have personal experience with this, that it is utterly devastating. It is so confusing, so emotionally draining. Um, so, but during a pandemic, I can't even begin to fathom how people who had loved ones in nursing homes or, you know, taking care of them at home were dealing. Can you talk about how the pandemic impacted caregivers? Yeah. Um, yeah. In the early days of the pandemic, we heard from so many caregivers who were struggling because they couldn't get into the nursing homes or assisted living facilities or or, or whatever it might have been um, in order to see their loved one living with dementia because it was just too dangerous. I mean, um, people in nursing homes were at such a high risk of contracting COVID-19. And um, so it, it was very difficult um, to not be able to see their loved ones and not be able to make sure that they were getting their needs met and make sure they were safe. And of course, it was also very, um, um, very difficult for the people with dementia because they didn't understand what was going on or remember from day to day what was happening. And one of the most difficult things, I think I talked to, you know, several caregivers um, during the course of the pandemic, especially before we had the vaccine and, and things began to open up a little bit. But um, I think one of the hardest things was that many caregivers saw their loved ones decline um, while they were in um, the nursing homes and not being able to see loved ones and not really being able to engage fully in activities or eat meals with other residents. And that kind of isolation and um, lack of social and mental stimulation um, and that depression, not seeing family members and, and feeling alone and not understanding can really actually lead to um, additional cognitive decline. We see that when a person with dementia's environment or circumstances change, they often do have that cognitive decline um, that you'll see. And that was really hard for a lot of caregivers and not feeling like they could be there. So there was just so much impact on loved ones. And, you know, even for some people, um, unfortunately whose loved ones passed away and not being able to really be there through that process um, in the early days of the pandemic was really difficult so i think it just made such a huge impact on the grief process for caregivers um, and on being able to really still feel connected with their loved one i mean seeing people through windows and over over um, FaceTime or is that what it's called? FaceTime, um, Zoom or whatever it might be, um, you know, was was difficult for a lot of people. For a lot of people, dementia, that technology, you know, might not work as well for connection. Yeah, that was my question. Did we learn anything? Because that was the one thing everybody was, you know, Zoom and Skype and everything else became yeah. so popular. Did we learn anything or is it still too soon after, you know, what we went through? I'm sure that we've learned and that there will be things that come out of this that will make us think about the way that we do things. But I, I think that the resiliency of people is what I've really learned because one of the things that I heard were, were all of the creative ways that people 
would still try to connect with their loved ones, like, you know, sitting outside the window um, of their room and bringing like a picnic and, um, you know, eating at the same time with that loved one or bringing the grandchild to the window to wave and just, just so many different ways, um, doing things outside when possible of still connecting. It just shows you how resilient people are and, um, you know, how hard people work, um, even the staff at the, at the nursing homes, um, just how hard people work to, to try to make things happen in the worst of situations. So I think we'll learn more as we go through. Well, as, as we know that, you know, these numbers are going to increase, can you give us, um, for potential future caregivers, signs and symptoms that they should be watching for? When do they take the loved one to the doctor to get evaluated? How does that work? Where do they find the information to even start? Yeah, it can be so overwhelming. And so I think one of the biggest things that we tell people, and not just people with you know, loved ones who there's, who they're worried about, but everybody to know the warning signs of dementia, you know, it's not just memory loss, although that's a, that's a huge um, part of it, but it's also confusion. It's also um, not being able to do things that are, were familiar to them. It's, you know, um, slower reaction times, having a harder, harder time focusing and keeping up with conversations with their loved ones. Um, you know, it's, it's losing things and not being able to find them. It's those types of symptoms we have on our website. If you go to alz.org, um, you can click on the Alzheimer's and dementia and find 10 warning signs. And I encourage everyone, whatever your age, whatever your situation, to go on and learn what are those 10 signs and be able to recognize those. And then when you see those symptoms in a loved one, um, talk, to the, talk to the doctor about those. Talk to your loved one, talk to the doctor. Like I said in the beginning, you might see those symptoms with other types of illnesses or diseases that aren't dementia, that are treatable and that you wanna deal with. Um, and then, you know, of course, you know, if it is dementia, you're going to want to begin that, that process of working with the doctor and trying to do a process of elimination. What else might it be? And then moving forward, if, you know, it looks like dementia might be an issue, moving forward through that process of a diagnosis. Um, so a, a mental status exam, you know, and, and um, you know, some other types of testing that they're probably going to do to rule things out. So, it is something where everyone needs to be aware of the 10 signs and really take action on those early, early. Remembering that it's not early, it's not normal aging to experience these symptoms. Cause sometimes we wanna say, well, that's just kind of what happens to people when they get older. And then we wait for a crisis. Like the person has a car accident, a little fender bender or gets lost somewhere and doesn't remember. We wait for a crisis and then we say, oh, we need to do something about this. But all the treatments that we have, all of the interventions that we can do are better and more effective earlier on in the disease. So we really encourage that. And I think the Alzheimer's Association is a great place to start 
for learning that information and for getting um, caregiver resources. So there is now a, another resource through the Alzheimer's Association that's brand new, uh, targeted to caregivers. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so um, yeah, the Alzheimer's Association, um, Cleveland area and, and greater East Ohio area chapters are fortunate enough to receive a, a generous gift um, from um, um, Jan Castora who was a former dementia caregiver himself. His wife passed away a couple of years ago um, with um, dementia. And he felt so strongly that caregivers need a break. They need relief. And from that day-to-day caregiving, that he donated a million dollars to the Alzheimer's Association um, Cleveland area chapter um, to create a program called the um, Jan and Josephine Castora Family Caregiver Relief Fund that provides grants um, to caregivers of people living with Alzheimer's and dementia to allow them to get a break, um, to take some time for themselves, to take care of themselves, um, and during that time get in-home care um, paid for. So, you know, the the Alzheimer's Association is contract contracting with different agencies that can provide companion care, personal care services like bathing, dressing, grooming, all those things are that are so challenging for caregivers. Um, so it's just a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to provide this service. And there are some, you know, eligibility requirements um, that, you know, we can probably put the link or um, in more information that people can can get um, the specifics of the program, but it's just such a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for caregivers because um, as you know, you know, it is such a huge need for caregivers to be able to take some time for themselves to take care of themselves. Well, the other thing too, is it's, it's devastatingly expensive to, yeah. to take care of someone and, because you never know how long this is going to last. I mean, you can go yes. 10 years or more, um, yes as a caregiver. That's great. And I will put the link to this in the explainer of this podcast so people can find it easier. So there is a, another event coming up on August 12th and full disclosure, my band is playing the Ninja Cowboys. Um, this is an event that's happening in Lorraine again on August 12th, 2021, when you're listening to this podcast. Can you uh, fill us in, give us the details. What is the event for? What's the money going to? All the details. Wonderful, yeah, thanks for for giving us the opportunity to talk about this. So um, we're um, doing this um, in partnership with Springer Healthcare. Um, It's called Light It Up Purple, and it's an event for the Lorraine County Walk to End Alzheimer's. Um, so this charity event is going to, um, you know, going to benefit the Cleveland area, um, Alzheimer's association. And as you mentioned, it's taking place, um, Thursday, August 12th, um, five 30 to nine at the Lorraine palace theater. Um, and tickets are going to be available ahead of time and, and at the door as well. Um, so I think it'll just be a fun, exciting event. There's going to be a signature cocktail. Um, there's going to be, as you mentioned, um, uh, event entertainment. So I think it's just going to be an exciting event. And it's so important because um, it's so great to be able to come together for something like this, um, this um, fun event, but that's so important in helping us raise money for funds for all of the things that we talked about providing 
um, support and care to people living with the disease, but also the Walk to End Alzheimer's, which this event supports, is um, our biggest fundraiser. And so much of those funds um, go to supporting people locally who are living with the disease, but also to funding research for the treatment um, and the cure, hopefully, eventually, um, that we've been talking about through this conversation. So we're so excited to be able to partner um, to provide this event. So. so so how much are tickets and where is it taking place? So, yeah, so Lorraine Palace Theater in downtown Lorraine and tickets are $25. So you can purchase those ahead of time and at the door. And we can probably also put um, more information in the, um, the details of this conversation as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, is there anything else you would like to leave people with take home information? I know when somebody's dealing with this, they tend to Google just about anything and there's no way in health we want them to do that. You already gave alls.org and we will, of course, include the links to the caregiver fund and the mm -hmm. event for next Thursday. But also talk about uh, any other resources people should, you know, make make their first stop when they are just starting on this journey. Great question. And thanks for saying that, because I do think, you know, whenever we're facing something like this, of course, we're overwhelmed. Of course, we want more information and and Dr. Google is there. Right. So we, we you know, we kind of want to go there and find out everything that we can. And it can be so overwhelming. So I think the best place to start is with trusted resources in the community. And of course, we've been talking about the Alzheimer's Association, but I also want to say, um, you know, to, to contact um, your local area agency on aging. So that's another, um, that is something that you can Google because, you know, it's going to be different depending on where you live, but um, look for your local area agency on aging because they can connect you also with different programs and resources in the community. And they're going to be able to, um, to give you, just like the Alzheimer's Association, information that you know is, is from a good source and reliable. Um, and if people are looking for just information, I always recommend ALZ.org, our website, or um, NIH, the National Institute of Health, has a lot of great information about Alzheimer's and dementia, and you know that it's research-based and it's coming from reputable sources. Because you're going to Google and you're going to see all kinds of things out there, and it's going to be overwhelming. And the best advice I can give is if you are dealing with this, this disease um, and you've just had a loved one diagnosed is to start start small start with the first step what's the first step you know do you need support do you need more information and just start there don't get so overwhelmed because there's there's enough to be overwhelmed about but you don't want to get overwhelmed with all this information that could be out there that um, sounds scary, sounds intimidating, may or may not be true. So I would just suggest starting with the Alzheimer's Association as well as your local area agency on aging. Great advice. Rebecca Hall, thank you so much for your insight. I know this is going to be a lot of valuable information for a lot of people. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Please find me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Like and follow my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC. Subscribe and find video podcasts on my YouTube channel, Monica Robbins. Until next time, have a healthy week. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah! with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.